Hey everyone, this is Dr. Ari Grubner and welcome back to the Niflo Sabore podcast. We have a very, very exciting show today. I have a discussion with Dr. Chaim Ambinder, cardiologist at Johns Hopkins University. We'll talk about some of the absolute wonders of the human heart. We'll talk about this exciting cutting edge field of interventional cardiology. And importantly, we'll talk about chulent, kishka, herring. Are they really bad for your heart? Stick around, stay tuned, stay with us, sit back, relax, and enjoy. We are honored to have with us Dr. Chaim Aminder. He's a cardiologist at Johns Hopkins University, and he's going to share some insights. Obviously, he knows a lot about the heart. He works with, with the heart, and he's going to help us understand some of the wonders, the absolute wonders, the Niflo Sabore of the human heart. Dr. Aminder, Chaim, it is a pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much. Ari, thank you so much for having me. This is really a real treat. We've been friends for a very long time. I think we may go back to Camp Aguda days, but uh, you do, right? Yeah, yeah, I yeah do, exactly. Um, many, many like decades, years ago, but then I uh, had the privilege of seeing you in medical school with me and uh, just watching you excel and just to grow in, in, in all professionally and in, in Torah. It's just an, a real treat to be here. And then stumbling on your podcast uh, has really, really uh, been an absolute delight and something yeah. that I've been listening to regularly. Thanks so much. So in case it wasn't clear, Chaim, Dr. Dan Ambeter is basically like a role model for me. I mean, we were in med school. I think we overlapped. Maybe I was like the first year and he was the fourth year, I think, at one point. And now he's at Hopkins. So this is just a real, a real honor for me. Chaim, can you, I guess, let's just start. Tell us about yourself, what you do, you know, tell, tell us a little bit. Sure. Uh, so I live in Baltimore with my wife and four children, Kanainahara. I grew up in Muncie originally and uh, somehow made it down here. I'm currently about to finish up my cardiology fellowship at the Johns Hopkins Hospital, and I'll be doing interventional cardiology and structural cardiology, which are invasive cardiology fields over the next two years in extra training. And my interest is cardiac resuscitation basically getting the heart to reboot itself when it needs to. And uh, I've focused on that for this year in research. And I have another side passion project where I basically, with a bunch of co-hosts, we run a Cardio Nerds podcast, which is just uh, a fantastic venture into this space. And I love every part of this. Awesome. And just so everyone knows, I mean, that podcast is super phenomenal. It's medical, so it's very intricate and about cardiology, but it's super phenomenal and it is super, super popular. Um, okay, so you mentioned that you're going into interventional structural cardiology. Is that right? That's right. That, okay, so I want to ask you a question. But before, first, can you just tell us what, what that is? So you're a cardiologist, but you're going to become a more specialized type of cardiologist? That's exactly right. A general cardiologist is an expert on how the heart works and also kind of predicting how the heart will be in many years. So that could be in prevention of heart attacks down the road, or it can be monitoring a particular condition to make sure that things stay working as they should be. Um, And so generally, a general cardiologist will be using echo imaging and different kinds of 
tests, blood tests, stress tests, all these kind of things to make predictions and diagnose and treat and manage several conditions. But sometimes there has to be an intervention done that is invasive. So for example, we could talk about this a little bit more later, but if somebody's having mm -hmm. a heart attack where one of the arteries that brings blood to the heart is clogged, it needs to be open. You could do it with medicines, but we've learned that the better way to do it is to actually open it up with a balloon by putting wires into this artery and ballooning open this artery. You have to Google picture this if, if, you, if you don't know what I'm talking about to, mm -hmm. to get a better visual. But basically that requires somebody putting the wire up, the catheter up and the balloon up, and then eventually a stent up. That would be the interventional cardiologist job. I'm just going to jump in and I'm just going to say, not to make you blush, but people maybe don't know what Johns Hopkins is. You know, everyone's heard of like Harvard and Yale, but in the medical world, just to, to give some accolades, Johns Hopkins University is like arguably the best hospital in the world. So what Chaim's describing is a very specific, very intense field in one of the best hospitals in the country. And what were you going to say? You started talking about the structural part of your... Oh, yeah. Training. So the so the added year is structural. So nowadays, there are certain valves, like we'll talk about the heart valves, but if a valve needs to be replaced or a hole in the heart needs to be plugged up, sometimes surgery is the right way to do it, to open the sternum and basically look at the heart directly and fix it surgically. That is not what we do. That's a cardiac surgeon. But sometimes you can actually use the blood vessels to kind of as a highway to get different equipment up into the heart. And you can actually put a heart valve in through a big blood vessel that's in the groin, for an example. And so that's the structural part to fix structural issues in the heart, non-invasively or minimally invasively. I wouldn't say it's non-invasive, but minimally. Okay. So to clarify, you're saying like a cardiac surgeon would actually go and cut open the chest and actually like you know, invasively work on the heart. Whereas what you're doing is getting to the heart, but kind of in a roundabout way. Is that, is that Yeah, accurate? you can say that. Uh, we're going through the, we're taking advantage of the fact that the heart is connected to all of the blood vessels and all of the blood vessels go back to the heart or come from the heart. And we can use different blood vessels as a highway system to get straight to the heart. So for an example, if somebody's having a heart attack um, and there's an artery of the heart that's clogged up by, um, you know, some sort of plaque or blockage, we can take a, a needle, not to gross anybody out, but we could take yeah. a needle in the wrist and get access to a teeny artery in the wrist called the radial artery. And we use that to feed all the way back up by sticking a wire and a catheter and a process that we do all the time. And that basically gets us all the way back up into the heart and wow. right near the arteries that feed the heart and where the arteries block and basically allows us to open it up. The problem is you can't see that from outside the body. So what we use is x-rays that constantly take x-rays for us and they are kind of like positioned over the heart. And so we can see where the wires are in relationship to the heart. And by doing that, we're able to um, identify the blockages in the artery and open up the artery. Pretty cool. So, I mean, my focus is obviously the, the niflos habore, the wonders of the human body, but would you consider this one of the niflos of medicine? The fact that, you know, 50 years ago, if someone had a heart attack, their options were basically like like opening the chest or something like that, doing an invasive surgery. And now what you're basically describing is someone having a heart attack, leaving the hospital with a Band-Aid on their wrist, essentially. Is that, I mean, that's pretty phenomenal. 
Yeah, it, it really is. And I actually, I give this talk at a local yeshiva called TA, Talmudical Academy, to, uh, for the mm-hmm. fifth graders. And I and I ultimately teach them about heart attacks and things like that. And there's a Rebbe in the classroom who always tells me that, you know, every year he tells the boys, he's like, you know, my father-in-law had a heart attack like this, but it was before the time of wires and stents. And uh, unfortunately, he didn't make it. Um, so this is a totally revolutionized. And then similarly with the heart valves, um, you know, my grandfather had his, his aortic valve really, really tight. And we know that when you have severe aortic valve tightness or stenosis, your prognosis is about a year to live. Um, and wow. the way to fix it is it used to only be surgical. So if you were older, if you were elderly and not really a candidate for a surgical replacement, what well, you would, you'd have to go to palliative care, you'd have to go to hospice. But now with this, uh, what we call the TAVR, the trans aortic valve repair, basically the way that we pop a valve into the aortic valve air, um, the old aortic valve and blow it up and it replaces that old aortic valve. That really has been a game changer for many, many people and people in their nineties and even in hundreds, you know, uh, and they're, you know, wow. like woman 107 had this done and they leave the hospital the next day. It's, it's pretty uh, crazy. And so is and this is something that's within the last 10 years. Wow. Chaim, that is like really, really phenomenal. So not only are you able to spare people having to go to surgery after a heart attack and having their chest really opened up and accessing their heart, but you're able to access the heart just from their wrist or from their groin. But not only that. You're actually saving people's lives because someone who was not healthy enough to have surgery done would actually just not make it. I mean, that that's crazy. That's phenomenal. How long has this field been around for? This well, specific- interventional cardiology has been around for a couple of decades already. Um, it was uh, actually there were uh, speaking of the flies of Bayre, there were uh, there are many different ways that this was. This, there are many different serendipitous things that have to, had to happen in order to discover it and discover how it can how, how this can basically happen. In fact, the first coronary artery um, was not engaged. Basically, we, when the catheter goes up to the coronary artery and sticks its little head into the hole of the coronary artery to like basically light it up and show us where it is, um, mm-hmm. it used to be thought that you could never even do that. Like Everybody thought that to do that would be fatal. You mean to, st- to put a wire through the guy's wrist or basically get to the heart in this method that you're describing? Yeah, so let me clarify because it's a little complicated. So in order to look at the coronary artery, we can't just do the x-ray because it's too small. You're not really going to see the, the coronary artery. You're not, it's a very small blood vessel that sits on top of the heart. It's not going to be possible just to see on x-ray. So what you need to do is put a catheter or a little tube all the way up from the wrist or the groin, and that long catheter goes all the way up and basically sticks its, the end of it, the whole of it, into the coronary artery. And you twist and turn it and tweak it until it fits right into that coronary artery. But mm-hmm. then you have to inject a, a contrast or a solution that kind of lights up on x-ray. So when you inject the contrast into this little tube, the coronary artery will light up. And since you're on x-ray, you can see how it looks. Now, that was thought to be unsafe back in the day until a guy by the name of Mason Stones at Cleveland Clinic was doing that to shoot the aorta, which is a humongous blood vessel. It's actually the biggest blood vessel of the body, and it's what comes out of the heart. And that was known to be safe, so he was shooting that blood vessel, and then he had, whatever for whatever reason, uh, it was accidental, but the actual catheter slipped into the coronary artery, and then he wow. injected the contrast, but they saw for the first time that you could inject into the coronary artery. Wow, Chaim. So essentially someone accidentally put a catheter into those coronary arteries, those vessels, those blood vessels on top of the heart, 
and accidentally essentially discovered this entire field. Pretty amazing. Wow. That's right. Wow. Phenomenal. So, so cool. So we're, I want to jump into the Niflo Sabore to talk about the heart. One thing I need to clarify, I've been waiting to talk to a cardiologist about this. Since I'm a little kid, I think this happens probably in every shul known to man. There's always some, you know, semi-elderly man at the Kiddush who's taking like kishka and chulant and herring and everything, you know, and then inevitably he'll turn to someone and say, I know this is going to, my heart's not going to thank me for this later. My arteries are not going to be happy. I'm sure you had that experience. There's always that guy in shul. You know what I'm talking about? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is that, is that an accurate, is there, is there any truth to that? The from diet or the from foods that we eat, are they truly not healthy or not good for our hearts? What would you say? Uh, that's a really good question. So I would say like this, you know, when it comes to heart disease, and that's what that person is talking about, having usually heart disease and particularly coronary artery disease, which leads to like heart attacks and, and heart failure. It's so complex. There's, you know, there's genetics and there's smoking and then there's exercise and there's weight and there's cholesterol and there's so many different factors that that will ultimately end up with coronary artery disease or not having coronary artery disease. And, you know, probably high fat foods are are not good. There are certain patients that their cholesterol levels, which do predict risk for heart failure and heart attacks, go up with dietary cholesterol intake. And then there are patients that don't. So it's a little bit more of a complicated story. I think what is clear though, in general, is that obesity or being overweight is associated with many, many right. health risks, including coronary artery disease. And so, you know, you know, probably the way of the Rambam is probably the way, you know, the middle ground that right. you can have your kishka and eat it too. But, right. you know, think gotcha. about that when you go home and then you have your next kishka. <laughs> So shouldn't have kishka every day of the week for every meal. That's what that's what you're saying. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah, I mean, I can personally tell you, I did that in Neri Israel for high school, and uh, <laughs> I ended up being almost 300 pounds from that. Okay. So I've learned a lot from that time. But yeah. All right. So the heart, you know, the heart. I feel like because it beats, and especially like when we're nervous or exercising, we feel it's not as like. You know, when I talked about the kidneys, like who knows, no one knows about the kidneys or when you're talking about these things that are hidden, the heart, we almost like sense, you know, we feel it, we feel our heart beating, but what is it doing? What is the point? What is, what is the tachlis, shall we say, of, of the heart? Yeah, I think this is the fundamental question that really unlocks every other aspect of cardiology and, and, and really so many other aspects, even in emergency medicine and everything like that. So to get an understanding of what the cardiovascular system is, we have to appreciate that Hashem made our body in such that we have cells, which are teeny, teeny microscopic particles that make up different organs. So there are a bunch of cells that are the building block for the liver, a bunch of cells build out the brain, a bunch of cells build out the lungs. And we have this situation where each cell needs to be fed each cell is kind of like a mini body of ourselves. So we know that we have to eat a breakfast, lunch, and dinner to just get through the day. And our cells need to be fed all the time, constantly. And I've actually heard on your podcast, one of the things that you really emphasize is the balance that, you know, whether it's the immune system or other systems, every system needs a balance and the cells need to be constantly um, washed in nutrients and oxygen. Now we know that our lungs bring in oxygen into the blood, but how does it get from the blood to everywhere else? So Hashem basically designed the body with millions of highways 
the highways basically are kind of the transport system for all the nutrients and and everything that you need. Now, you could put the oxygen and the nutrients into the bloodstream, but it has to, and you can even put it onto the highway. But how is it going to move around the bloodstream? Well, when you have a garden hose outside, you know, you could turn on the garden hose and water will flow. And that's because there is pressure that's generated from somewhere that's higher than the outside. And so basically that will push the water out of the garden hose. So we need some way to develop a pressure inside of the body to push the blood through. So the way Hashem did it is he basically, you could kind of think of the heart as a simplified uh, fist. So you can imagine that, let's say you have a garden hose that's kind of running through your fist. And every time you squeeze the garden hose and the garden hose is filled with water, it's going to push water forward and backwards, right? So that's going to not be so helpful because you want to only make the water go in one particular direction. So Hashem made this heart, which squeezes, so that's your fist, but not only does he, and, and then the garden hose, which is going to be the blood vessels, which is going to be really be the highway for all the blood and to carry the oxygen and nutrients, but he put into the heart valves so that blood will only go in one direction. So when wow. you squeeze on the garden hose, because there's going to be valves that only let one way flow through the heart, that's going to make the blood go through the heart in only one direction. Wow. So the heart is a pump essentially to send all that good stuff, the oxygen, the nutrients to send it throughout the body. And it's just basically doing the job, like you said, of applying pressure, pushing, but also making sure that there's no backflow, essentially, with those valves. That That's exactly right. And, you know, just to highlight how important this pump is, I mean, you imagine the brain, right? The brain needs the oxygen and the nutrients, right? And yeah. it needs a constant flow. If somebody is heartbeat is beating really nicely, 60 beats a minute, like let's say it's a normal in within the normal range, it's beating, beating, beating. And then for whatever reason, there are many reasons, but for whatever reason, it stops beating. It misses even 10 seconds. Yeah. That brain immediately will shut down and the patient will collapse. And that, that could be one of the causes of fainting. It'd be a pretty mm. dangerous cause of fainting. So it's mamish really important that we have constant flow to the brain at all times and the heart needs to be beating at all times in order to have life so because the heart is sending these nutrients and oxygen everywhere if the heart is not doing its job then basically everything is in, is in, at risk it sounds like that's exactly right wow truly truly phenomenal the heart just keeps doing its thing second after second after second of our entire lives pumping blood the blood that contains all those nutrients all of that oxygen all of that food that the entire body needs the cells of the entire body need all that stuff amazing just absolutely amazing this is dr ari grubner that was part one of my discussion with dr chaim amader cardiologist at johns hopkins university stick around stay tuned for part two thank you so much for joining us